Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Remember to shop Yins. The link is right there in the show notes. Uh, they are the proud sponsors of Bucks in the Basement, and uh, we appreciate their support. Uh, you know, it's it's three brands uh, for one uh, dynasty. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Three dynasties for one brand. I've only been doing a thing for six months, Craig. I'm an idiot. Oh, Chris, you're you're not an idiot. It's it's like a, I don't know. Is it like right after? It's right after the St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Like celebrations that have been going on. So I, I'm just assuming that I, I was, I was at one last weekend. I was at two last weekend. I was at a Saturday one. I was at a Sunday one. Then I turned around and made plans for Wednesday night. Cause my, my niece and goddaughter is Irish dancing at an event. And then Thursday night, I'm in a bowling league with a bunch of other middle-aged men uh, that's uh, out of my kid's school where they're having corned beef and bagpipes come in in between the first and second game of the bowling. And then on Friday, St. Patrick's Day, it's me and dad at a pub by noon. I'm done with work. I shut down all the podcasts and everything else like that. And then we just sit around and drink Guinness and listen to uh, Irish music. Like, I, I'm, I don't know how I get anything accomplished during this week every March. And it, it totally makes sense. I mean, you're, you're celebrating your traditional irish heritage with the last name lanuti i mean that's, <laughs> you, you just have to do it i mean well most of the most of the most of the family is irish that's what's funny about it so like my my dad is half irish half italian with the italian last name my mom is german so i'm only like an i'm only a fourth irish right but like this time of year it becomes a thing where all the irish family is like into it and my wife is mostly irish so i have these irish german kids with this italian last name and olive skin running around which is hysterical and they've got barely any italian in them they've just got lanuti the rest of it is just they're all irish okay so it's a, it is a big deal i'm just you know the uh, the italian leprechaun over here in the corner yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with that, Chris. And your sister, your sister married into a fine Irish family, so she did. She you got you got to support all the family, everything like that. But I, I just knew, I can tell when 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 you might be just a little bit off. It's either bourbon trails. It's for some reason, Chris, it just always surrounds alcohol, which is you know not not a problem, man. Not a problem yeah, whatsoever. Well, it, this is the time of year. I you know most people have other times of the year where they go, man, I got to dry out. Mine is the run from the bourbon trail through St. Patrick's Day, and then I've got to I've got to take a break. You know, leading into Easter, I've got to I've got to start remembering that I can't do this to my body all the time. Let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on with these pirates. We're midway through the spring, and there's some positivity there. I was just talking to you before we turn on the microphones. 
Uh, you know, Travis Swaggerty, I know it's a small sample size, but, you know, six for 18, he's got a couple of bombs. That's what you want, right? Because you're trying to figure out what you want to do in the outfield and who's going to be coming with and who could make a bench spot. I know you said that he's a possibility. I mean, like, that's what you want. But you don't pick him, Craig, off of the six for 18 small sample size. You take him because you looked at things that he was doing wrong last year and you see him doing it right in spring training. I think when you start taking a very short stat line against a lot of guys who aren't even going to be major league pitchers that are out there getting work or guys that are working on things and you try to translate that to 162 up at the bigs, you run into problems. So, I mean, it's positive. It's fun. I'm excited about it. But hopefully somebody on the Pirates sees him doing something that they said, you need to fix this, and that's going to unlock something, and that's the reason for it, and they see it. That's how he ends up making it to the majors. You see people putting these types of things under a microscope is what it these like small sample sizes are. And I know we've talked about this before, and I actually saw this over the past weekend uh, being down there at spring training for three days on the backfields, at the games, and before the games, you see these coaches are watching guys in batting practice. There are fields and warm-up places like behind Lecom Park. They have scouts. They have all these like, you know, stuff capturing like all the spin rates and probably like their swing plane and, and all this type of stuff that they were probably told to work on. Um, in the off season, and this is the time where they're seeing, is that working out? Yes, like it's great to see that type of stuff. I mean, it, if he hits a home run, uh, getting to see like Jack Sawinski, who had been really struggling at the plate, and you know ha- hadn't really turned on the balls. He had driven them from time to time, but turned on a home run, and you could see the, like the look on his face that was like, whew, you know, unlocked what I had been working on. The guy's working on a completely brand new stance where he's standing up. He's more open. So he's trying to make these adjustments. So there's like so much going on that it's yes on the field type stuff matters, but there's other things that these scouts, these coaches, the development people that they're all looking at. They're looking at, like we had talked about before we got on the show, the level of competition they're playing against when they actually get into the game. I've seen, you know, everybody wants Andy to start in the opening day roster We've stated on here, you know, defensively why you might want to keep him down for catching, you know, to just basically get, you know, more experience, uh, work on his framing. I wrote an article, Jordan Jordan Comandina, the uh, bullpen uh, catching coach, uh, bullpen catcher, talked about him like just, you know, he just has to catch more. He just needs to do more. Not saying that he shouldn't make the opening day roster, but it's just like, that's what he just needs to keep on doing. He's getting into games and we're seeing him hit because, you know, and he does hit, but we're also seeing him hit off of the pitcher that he'll be facing that he would have faced in double a and may face in triple a this year. It's it, that level. If he went like, you know, four for five off of DeGrom or Verlander, it may hold a little bit more weight to me and not that it doesn't mean that he, you know, isn't progressing. It's just that he's getting into games in the, you know, the later half of the game where there's a lot of guys that aren't even going to make big league rosters playing in those later innings. Yeah. But I want him on the roster. 
Like, I know you're saying, like, we gave reasons why you shouldn't. I gave I gave what the Pirates are going to say, and I tried to reason with it and say, okay, I get it if this is why he's not going to break with the roster. But I would love for him to come with. I would love for him to be catching at least half the games and learn a little bit at the major leagues because I want him here. You know, like, I want him here. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, I want him to go with the Pirates. I don't think they're going to take him, but, I mean, I, I want him to go with – and I want him to be catching at least every other day. The the But the issue is with the pitch clock, with a lot of young guys back there, with the pitchers really needing a, a veteran to guide them, some of these younger pitchers, that's why it almost makes sense to give him some time. I mean, best case scenario, they let those guys get going. They get used to having a veteran catcher. They work through any of the early season things that they are able to get over quicker without having a rookie catcher behind the plate. The bull or the the battery is doing very well. The pitchers are doing very well, and then he comes up at some point in the season, maybe a couple months in, and gets worked in. But when he gets here, you got to play him. You don't bring him up here to play twice a week. You bring him up here to play, and then you get him acclimated to the major leagues and going. Because you got to do that with every one of these guys, every one of these prospects, and you don't want to bring them up all at once. So you got to have a plan. Like, this guy's getting here now. This guy's getting here a couple months later. This guy's getting here afterwards. Because we want to build. We want to win. We want to start building a, a, a like, just a, the the mindset that you can win at the major league level in Pittsburgh while we're getting these guys up and getting them going because the ultimate goal is division championships, pennants, and World Series. That's what you're looking at. That's the only reason to have a baseball team. Yeah, and I guess I, I do agree with you, Chris. I mean, I would I would love to see here, him up here on opening day. I'm also just kind of concerned as to – what I'm hoping they keep him behind the plate consistently when he comes up here. And to, and that goes to like the playing time piece of it is Ben Sherrington at some points in time thinks that he, he loves that versatility and I could see him bringing Andy up and playing him part-time at like catcher part-time at first base part-time in the outfield and possibly overwhelming him. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. It's just, I mean, dude, you understand. Pirates fan here. Like, I think I'm, like, preparing myself for what I believe is the most, like, negative scenario that could happen. And then hoping for the best when he does get up here. Just the same reason as people are like, well, you know, Andy's ahead of Henry. So we just need to move Henry off a catcher. And it's like... No, we have to make sure that Andy can handle at least half the games, you know, at the major league level before you would even you don't move people off of positions until somebody has actually solidified themselves at a position on the major league roster. It's like not like because Andy tore up minor league last year that you move Henry off the position. I, and I know that this, that's one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard of. I really hope that this is just you reacting to a random tweet by a guy who's got three followers. Cause you do that from time to time. Like get yourself all whipped up because like the crazy guy who's eating glue in his basement, put something out on Twitter and you go, Oh my goodness. Is this what people think? You don't take a guy who was drafted where Henry Davis was drafted. Who's third on the, on the team 
in prospect rankings. It, it, some people have him ranked higher. Some people have him ranked just like one or two spots lower. But most of these lists, he's a top five prospect within your organization. He's a top 100 prospect uh, on, on most lists across Major League Baseball. He's young. He's got a long way to go. And you don't sit there all of a sudden and say, well, I don't know. We got a guy who's just a little bit ahead of him. And he's going to play catcher, so we're just not going to have him play catcher. No, you develop him and you make him into a star catcher prospect. And then he either moves the guy that just got up there out of the way. He moves positions then after he's figured it out through the AAA level and he's ready to, to go to the majors. Or you deal him for a major league ready answer to a problem that you have on your team. That you know, That's the thing that I think people forget about. You need to have capital in your minor league system when you finally become good. One of the biggest problems that teams in Major League Baseball have when they're finally in a competitive window, and look around Major League Baseball and see the difference, you either have to spend your way to where you need to be when you are on the cusp, when you are challenging for a division, when you are challenging for a pennant, when you are challenging for a championship, or you have to be able to trade your way to it. You have to be able to deal your way to get the pieces you need. And trust me, a superstar catching prospect that people are feeling can't miss, and he could very easily become that as he moves up the prospect rankings, in your back pocket, either if Andy doesn't work out, because not all prospects work work out, he's there for you. And if Andy does work out, becomes an all-star behind the plate, Henry Davis is going to go out and get you something you're missing at another position. You're struggling at second and you want to find like a guy who hits lefty and, and, and can put 25 of them over the wall. And there's a team out there that has that guy and you can't sign that guy in free agency because there's no way that Bob Nutting is going to give Ben Charrington 250 to $300 million for that kind of guy. But you get a team that is looking to do something else or in a period of transition that says we're going to build our team around Henry Davis and unload this contract, that's how you improve when you are on a team that has an owner that spends properly. So, no, you don't move Henry Davis out of the catcher position. That's insane. One thing I heard you say there that is also becoming like a topic of conversation is the trade capital. I everybody knows at this point in time, Harleen Garcia, you know the the lefty reliever, the quote unquote proven lefty reliever. He's pitched he pitched pretty well out there in San Francisco. Signed him to like the one year deal for a couple million dollars. Has you know a second year option, which with I think believe no buyout. Uh, went down, he has the forearm tightness, the dreaded forearm tightness, which the MRIs came back negative right now for the, you know, the Tommy John or anything like that, uh, the UCL, but the man can't grip a baseball. Well, that's that, not good. You and, need and, that. That's, that's fairly important <laughs> when you're a pitcher is, is being able to, unless you're throwing all like, I don't know, palm balls or I, I don't right. know what it would be. You can't grip the baseball, so this is a bad thing. So right yeah, now, yeah, you need to be you need to be able to grip the baseball because right now, if you can't grip a baseball, I'm suddenly more of an option in the bullpen than you are. 
because I can at least grip it. Like I'm going to throw it about 48 miles an hour and it's going to bounce in, but I can grip it. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be throwing it, and, and this is a, I'm not a slight at Rich Hill, but you'd be throwing it about only 20 miles per hour, like, sl- like, uh, slower than Rich Hill, man. I love his curveball. I just had to, oh, they'd be like, up. they'd be like, is that an EFIS? No, that's, that's my fastball. The, <laughs> the, the, but the, the thing is, look, first of all, hopefully he's going to be okay. And uh, you just saw Carlos Rodon for the Yankees get the four-arm tightness. And after they ran all the tests and it came back negative, they later ran some more tests and figured out it was a muscle that had nothing to do with anything that would cause Tommy John. And he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. So it's not automatically Tommy John, so hopefully that's the case. But what you're upset about something, so I want you to finish off your thought. No, and it's just that, like, you know, I've, I've heard – and the idea has been put out there that, you know, we have a, a ton of outfielders. Oh, we, have no. a, we have a decent amount of middle infielders. Oh, no. We acquired another, you know, utility guy in Mark Mathias from uh, the Texas Rangers. And talking about oh, you know, no. solving the problem with trading that draft <laughs> capital for a left-handed reliever. And, and I, Chris, I just wanted to get your reaction to it because I know you have fairly strong feelings on bullpen building for a rebuilding team. Listen, this is the that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. It's so dumb. Let me get this straight. So you're going to trade capital, something that you, you either could develop within your system on your team or be something that you could trade later on. You're going to deal that for a relief pitcher. When you have no reasonable prospect to win the division this year, like no reasonable one, outside chance, fine. But really, if you catch fire, you'll find one in the trade market in a couple of months. Why would you do that right now? Why would you react in that way? Why wouldn't you just wait for all the non-roster invites that are floating around Major League Baseball right now that aren't going to make a team but shined in spring training? There's going to be plenty of guys coming free if it's not one of the many non-roster invites that you brought to your own camp that throw left-handed. Bullpen is the last thing that you need at the end of building a team. It is the last thing that you need at the end of building a team because all bullpen arms are, unless you are one of the elite, and you're going to have to pay for that, or you're going to have to develop it, or you're going to have to find somebody stupid enough to give it to you in a deal, which is not going to happen, okay? The, the, the majority of guys are basically like uh, a guy in a casino in Atlantic City who has been, uh, you know, losing for a couple of years. Every once in a while, he'll walk over to a penny slot and pull it and win 400 bucks, and it keeps him in the game, right? Sits down at the poker table or the blackjack table, and sometimes it's going okay for him, sometimes it isn't, and now he gets on a heater. And he's on a heater all night long. And he's just making all kinds of money. And then at some point when the heater runs out, he goes back to being useless. That's most relief pitchers in Major League Baseball. That's most of them right there. You look for the window of when they're good for a couple years, and then you move on. If you have good pro scouting, you'll find plenty of those guys at the right time to fill in behind your closer and your setup man. And you don't go and spend on the closer and the setup man until you're ready to make the run. It That is crazy to me. Why would you ever deal for a relief pitcher? That's what that's what teams that are challenging for a division, ch- teams that are going into the postseason trying to figure out what they're going to do in the sixth and seventh inning to get to their eighth and ninth inning guys when they're in a seven-game series 
and they need the best of the best to put their team over the top. That's when you deal for a relief pitcher. If you're going to deal for a relief pitcher now, at this stage, I wouldn't give up anything. Anything at all. The only trade you'll see Ben Charrington make is if he deals for a middling pitcher that he sees upside for that the other team doesn't value. Okay, And he trades somebody that he's already given up on or doesn't think is going to turn into anything. Other than that, you're not getting anything great and you're not going to give up anything big because that would be stupid. Yeah, because right now, I mean, you have Jose Hernandez is the only left-handed, you know, option. The Rule 5 pick had pitched in double-A last year. Does have some good upside with, you know, he, he throws some heat, got some good slider. But you have... Yeah, but he's terrible so far in spring training. So I get why people are like, I don't want him. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, his whip it. is awful, but you're going to find other lefties that are... Flo- you're going to find other pitchers that are floating around out there. You, you're telling me you have nobody in your system. Nobody in your system that you, you're like, you know what, we might as well just use this kid for a little bit. You know, I, I, I just, I just don't know what you're trading away. You, you can't, you're not getting anything of real value if you make a deal, unless you get a team that like, let's say wants to get rid of salary. Like if you're ready to take on salary, which this doesn't seem like this is the kind of team that would do it. You go knock on the door of a team that's like flush. You know, I mean, like the teams go out and they grab players like at the back end, let's say I'm trying to think of a name. Jake Diekman got traded, I want to say, in the middle of the year. And he's a left handed pitcher who's not very good, but like survives in Major League Baseball because he throws lefty instead of righty. If you look at his stats and like look up Jake Diekman, if he was a right handed pitcher, he probably wouldn't get the money he's making or anything like that. That's what that would be the case with him. But he's a lefty. He's probably being overpaid. The team that acquired him is like, we got plenty of guys that can do what he does. He was just an extra arm that we went and grabbed when we needed something down the stretch trying to make it into the postseason. And we've got plenty of guys, let's move on from him. And the Pirates are willing to cough off like $4 million just to eat the contract because they want a lefty. I guess you could give away nothing for him. I just don't know how it benefits you unless you think Diekman is going to bring you something halfway through the year. Like if you get him, you eat his contract, and then you turn around and you say, okay, that money that we're spending is really on what he's going to bring back midway through the year when another team falls for the Jake Diekman thing, where I need a lefty who's got a little bit of experience even though he's not very good. That I could see. I, at this point in time right now, I mean, there's just so many... I'm just going to go, I'm going to back up a little bit here because my, the, I have to go through my, my full train of thought each year during this rebuild, for some reason, the bullpen and like the strength, the quote unquote strength of the bullpen has been punctuated and it's always during the off season and in the first few months of the year. And to me, honestly, Chris, I'm on the same page with you and we've always been on the same page that you know, the, the bullpen will come together towards the end of the rebuild. And the other piece is that these arms that are good one year are not guaranteed to be good next year unless their names are like Mariano Rivera. That's like, there's like, so if you think about like people in the bullpen and good bullpen arms, that's why, you know, as a team, you could probably think of, I can think back over the past 10 years and pick out maybe four or five names that I'd be like, man, they were good for two, three years in a row from the Pirates. So, 
I mean, when they are like, oh, yeah, we got everything lined up. It's going to be Bednar closing out. If not, you have Holderman. You know, you brought in Harley and Garcia. And, you know, Will Crow is going to bounce back. And then you have options. Chase DeYoung was, was pretty good last year. And it's like this, this bullpen is full. And it's like, I mean, it could be at some point in time. I mean, if, if some of these, like we talked about last week, Chris, some of these younger players push – some guys that are, you know, borderline maybe good enough for the rotation, but not good enough for that quote-unquote championship rotation we talked about, then maybe they go to the bullpen and it makes your bullpen stronger. But to say, like, during, like, an offseason where, you know, Colin Holderman coming back from an injury, Yara De Los Santos, who is all players that I like, but you can't guarantee that they're going to come back and pitch well after these, after injuries, after ending there, and you know, Will Crow drops some weight. I'm happy he hasn't looked good yet, but we actually have to see him and what roles he gets put in, you know, during the the regular season. But for me, it's all starting pitching. It's is Mitch good? Is Rowanzi good? Can JT be good? Can Rich Hill continue to be good? even though he got a little bit roughed up here in the in the spring training game, but can he continue to be good and bring you something back? Can Vince Velasquez either, you know, pitch well enough to, to fool somebody else or to be a decent bullpen piece this year as somebody pushes him out? But to me, like, I, I had a conversation earlier in the offseason with Andrew Filipponi, and I know that a lot of people disagree with Pony, and I disagree with Pony a lot. But we had like the same thought of like, why the heck didn't we trade David Bednar last year? Because he hasn't been able to finish a season in the last two seasons because he's had back issues. And you got you got him pitching high leverage situations in the World Baseball Classic every single time I turn around. Uh, it seems like he's on the TV like pitching, and that's great for him. Glad that he's representing the country, but. What are those like high leverage pitches going to look like for him when you're wanting and you're counting on him to be something people are saying like from this year and beyond? Do you know how many closers make it like three years and are productive? There's not many, man. It's very low. We always remember the best. But I mean, if you if you play fantasy baseball, you know that, right? Like we play in a league with 10 teams. You got to come up with two relief pitchers and closers are the most valuable thing, even though you can get some points for holds and not everybody uses a closer and everybody every year is scrambling, trying to replace what they have on their team. Cause the guy that was good the year before is no longer good again. Like it's very rare to find that guy that consistently year in year out brings it. And when you have something like that, it is a bonus. And when on your major league baseball team, that's one of those things you need at the end, you're going to need it at the end. But, but the idea that, that it's going to last throughout the entire rebuild, its value might actually be more worth it to continue to add the pieces until it's time to go out and acquire that. Now, look, all this talk about the relief pitchers, I just want to remind everybody of something. I think that the Pirates have a chance to do much better this year than they did the year before. I think that I think the goal should be to win games. You don't want to lose 100 games again. You want to see guys develop. You want to move forward. You want to have winning baseball out at the ballpark this year. That's what you want to do. If they win just 20 games more this year than they won the year before, a 20-game improvement, they're 82-80. and 80. They jump 15 teams. 
looking at the standings last year and still end up five games out of the last wild card spot. Now, think about when I said win 20 extra games, you're like, whoo, I don't know, can we really do that? Now think about how you still fall short of the postseason and ask yourself, do you really think that left-handed reliever is going to make a big difference in winning a championship this year? So you, your your goal is to win titles. That's what you really should be in this for, right? Like, I want to I win, right? But does it really matter to you whether or not you win 82 or 79? Does it really matter if you win anything between 85 and 82? You, you look at some of the best closers in the game. I brought up Liam Hendricks just to just look at a guy who's not pitching this year because he's got, he's got cancer and I hope he gets better. Uh, but, but, he, but if you look at him, his wins above replacement for a guy who's rated constantly as one of the number one relief pitchers in all of baseball is about one win above replacement. That's all a closer's really worth. And they're a bonus. They're an extra. So you're telling me that the left-handed reliever position, you need to go out and you need to trade assets to go get it at this stage? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I get it. We all get excited. We all, we, you know, you love your team. You, you want your team to win. You see positive things in the spring training. You can have all of that and not jump to the, the craziness of, well, we got to go trade something to go get a left-handed reliever. Do you? Like, again, you probably could pick up somebody who's serviceable that you could, that you might even flip or develop from these non-roster invites that some team who's competitive and has a lot of contracts and spends a ton of money, unlike the Pirates, that's going to come loose, and you may be able to find something there. You may be able to get a project from somebody who would like to work on one of your projects. Okay, fine, if that's what you want to do, and they're very young, and you see something raw, and you're like, you know what, if we could do this in a couple of years, he could actually help us when we're inside of our window. But, or you could take on somebody's contract if you really care about those extra three games. But I don't think that you're going to, like, I wouldn't trade anything important for a relief pitcher. Looking at that, 20-game increase, you're 82 and 80. And that, that would be a great season, wouldn't it? If they, if they won 20 more games this year than last year, you'd be doing cartwheels down the street. <laughs> oh, God, would I ever? I mean... Well, number one, we wouldn't have to hear any conversation about them, you know, being close to, you know, being, you know, near the hundred loss mark, which right. should be a great conversation to have. But then here's my thing is I know pe- the people there. I'm going to say something here and may get a little bit of heat for, cause I know I'm going to get heat. Who for cares? It. It's just but, Twitter. Who cares? Who cares? But here's They're the thing wrong. Is, why the heck I, I would think if I was one of those non-roster, there's left-handed non-roster invitees, you know, a Caleb Smith, uh, a, a Drzezinski, a Zamora, uh, an Angel Perdoma, there's uh, who Kent Kent Emanuel. There's all these. Why would I would just honestly just burn through all of them and hope for a few good games from each of them, as opposed to getting rid of somebody else. Like getting rid of somebody because if somebody can tell me that they have an answer on you know who the odd men out is out in the outfield right now in that triple a depth i would probably call you a liar because even though like cal mitchell can't field that great he's out hitting almost everybody in that outfield so like, and, and, like imagine imagine if you did make that trade like you deal one of these young outfielders away for get, get any, any of them just and list three any years of them. later it works out how much you'd be crucifying the front office for it right like i'd rather crucify the front office for 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 like moves you they deserve it for and they, they would deserve it if they if they made any kind of a deal for a relief pitcher and they and whoever they dealt away became anything at the major league level you, you should be just angry with them right 
Like I would, I would much rather just focus on the things that you really want to be angry about, like the lack of spending, the, the, the fact that we have to build this way, the fact that it takes as long as it takes. Like those are the things to be annoyed about, but enjoy the fact that you got guys that are getting better and, you know, have belief. Like I said, I think that this, what I want for this team is to jump out early. I want to see young players flourishing. I want to see guys growing when they do start to fall back in the standings. I want to see players that we are waiting to take another step, taking that next step. That's what I want. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what has to happen, Chris. And like I said, I, I understand people get frustrated. Everybody jumps to conclusions. And, you know, we have the, I guess we have the benefit of sometimes, you know, sitting here and, and having time to think. And I don't know what it would be. But basically, I mean, I just can't see it. Like, I just don't see. I, I just like think this, it's fan. I, I just think it's fan excitement. I just think it's people that care about their team, man. I think that's it. I think they just care about their team and they want to win and they want to do. And I get it. I get it. Okay, it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because unless like, I mean, I I might have that reaction if like maybe Hayes went down for the year or Brian Reynolds was traded or went down for the year or I mean, just Nate, like O'Neill Cruz, like maybe I would think. But then we talk about like there's so many people right now pushing like and the other thing is that I'm just wondering and just last last thought here, Chris. Do we think we've gotten to the point where like those lefty lefty matchups in the bullpen and and different things like that are maybe just kind of a, a little bit overrated to a degree? Shouldn't you have like a right-handed reliever that could also get, you know, I don't know, left-handed guys out too? Well, you now know? that you have all the stats and you can find guys. Like uh, one of the guys I I discovered last year that does it. Uh, who's on what is he on the Giants now or Arizona or he was on the Dodgers, AJ Pollock? Okay. He actually he actually hits just as well against lefties as he does righties, and like actually do, like there are there are in certain situations against the wrong arm slot where you would sit there and say he doesn't line up and you'd want a pinch hitter. He actually does better for some reason. He sees it better. I think with all the stats that are out there now, you see that there are some pitchers who can be effective no matter who's sitting up there at the plate, whether it's lefty or righty. You know. So I no, I don't know if it's as important, especially because you can no longer bring in a guy for just one one hitter, you know, remember they still got to finish the inning or go three, you know, they got to go three hitters or finish the inning. So the lefty specialist is already kind of dying in major league baseball because they got to be able to get both sides. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, again, it's the kind of intricate addition that you put on at the end as the cherry on top. You don't worry about that part of the Sunday right now while you're still putting in the chocolate and vanilla at the bottom. I don't even like the cherry on top anyway the nuts no nuts are terrible nuts are terrible why do i want hard ice cream